The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hey, it's Warhorse and Warhorse's pal Boner. And we're here to tell you that you're listening to the uh, Rough House podcast with Marty and Kristoff. You know, Marty the Mangler and Kristoff uh, the uh, Jack. Uh, no, I don't want to say that, but. I'm glad you're here, glad you're ready to listen to this shit, clean out your ears, shut your mouth, open your eyes, cause it's time for that good, sweet podcast. Behold, a podcast for the ages, recorded live from the interdimensional terror vortex of their subterranean dwellings comes the Rough House Podcast version 3.0. Two galactic warriors put down their warhammers and battle axes to perform a more noble task. Complaining about professional wrestling on internet purchased microphones. Now with more Simpsons references and Kota Ibushi thirst. This is the Rough House Podcast with Marty and Kristoff. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rough House Podcast episode 206. Yeah, we are no longer qualified to be in the uh, cruiserweight division. Yes. R.I.P. Cruiserweights, which I think is literally eight people right now, based off of <laughs> I didn't even know they the still few did times it. that I, I I read results for two hundred five live. It's like three evolve guys ever rise and Brian Kendrick. I think that's <laughs> that's all I've got right now. But like the champ is still uh, Hijo del Fantasma, right? Or Correct. whatever his name is. What's Correct. his name now? Uh, uh, oh my God, Santos Escobar. Oh, that's right. Yes. Man, that's how long it's been since I've watched NXT. Santos dude, L. Halper. That's his name. A dude I actually like. I forgot his ring name yeah. because it's been that long since I've watched NXT. Yes, that's Christoph, by the way. Uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, so, Chris, I, I, I thought I would take a moment here, uh, especially because the last two weeks of the show in the opening, uh, we have absolutely teed off on a legend. Yes. I thought I would start with something positive. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll uh, give it a whirl. Indulge me if you will, because this week <laughs> your your boy Marty got uh, a, a little wistful. So Chris, yeah. I was eleven years old when okay. WCW Monday Nitro debuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I grew up on the WWF and I also watched NWA WCW, Monday Nitro became my show very quickly because of the breadth of professional wrestling. That the show had. Yes, we can make fun of the later years of, of WCW, especially under uh, the the writing skills of our dear podcasting colleague, mm-hmm. Vince Russo. But there was something I, I loved truly and deeply about WCW, whether it was, you know, the the at the time, the absolutely mind-melting idea of the NWO, which felt like a true invasion angle, even though it yeah. wasn't. Um, the, uh, the, the breadth of styles, you know, you'd see luchadors like Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis, Japanese stars like Jushin Liger, uh, Ultimo Dragon, the next generation of professional wrestlers in Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and a man who is not listed anywhere for anything. But the core, especially in that prime 90s run... Was Justin Gabriel, Ryback, <laughs> Darren Young, and Heath Slater? I don't, I don't remember I, I, who was I, in the I, core. I think, I think that's who it was. But uh, okay. the, the core of it was the NWO versus Sting. Right. And 
Look, I was I was there in December '97 for Starcade. I remember being at the MCI Center, and you know it was this big to do. And yes, the match ended up being a gigantic wet fart. But the build for that, Sting up in the rafters, the crow face paint every mm-hmm. single week, coming down to face the NWO. You knew it was getting to the end <clears> of the show because here comes all the NWO guys, here comes all the WCW guys, and then from the rafters here comes Sting. And you'd have Tony Schiavone losing his mind. He would absolutely lose his shit every single week. He'd right. be yelling about Sting. He'd be yelling about the NWO. He'd say, fans, we got to go. We'll see you either next week or as it was later. We'll see you on Thunder. This past Wednesday night, in a moment that I did not foresee happening, even though there had been little bits of, of rumor and scuttlebutt about a possibility of an appearance. But months ago. Yes. I was transported to being a teenager watching WCW as all of a sudden on TNT on a Wednesday night, I got to hear this. It's the joy in Tony Schiavone's voice, the intensity in Tony Schiavone's voice. That's that's 20 years of buildup to be yeah. able to finally scream that over the TNT airways once again. You, this this is a weird analogy to use for a pro wrestling program, especially one that so frequently talks about buttholes. But Chris, do you remember in Ratatouille the scene? <laughs> I, I, I it's it's gonna make sense. The okay. scene where the critic bites into the ratatouille at the end and immediately is transported into being a child. Yes, and that warmth hits him. And, yes. and and it speaks to this thing about how you know the things you truly love they transport you to a time and place. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me on Wednesday night. Yeah. I, I can make fun of the fact that Sting's hairline looks like shit. I can make fun of the fact that his WCW one was ab- – WCW, or excuse me, WWE run was absolute trash. I can yeah. make fun of so many things about Real Estate Steve. But for one moment, one glorious moment in this god-awful, terrible, no good, very bad year, I was transported to a place of pure, unabashed – uncynical joy i'm happy for you (laughs) i that's i was absolutely ecstatic i so my experience different um so i well for one i was not the wcw guy that you were widely established on this show i watched I, i checked in on nitro uh sporadically see what the nwo was doing and and all these sorts of things but i didn't watch regularly i was a diehard raw guy diehard wwf guy sure so wednesday um and i feel like this is the number one thing that hurt my and i still thought the segment was pretty good um but the number one thing that hurt my uh, enjoyment of the segment was not being able to really fully experience it uh, as it was happening. So I, on Wednesdays, <clears throat> I host trivia games. I'm out at a bar, and I ask them to put you know TNT on one of the TVs that's uh, close to me so I can at least kind of follow what's going on. And I remember at one point, maybe like question 11 or something, I'm reading the question, and I just turn my head up to look to check the TV screen to see what match is happening or who's getting beat down or whatever. And I look – 
And I said, I, as I'm reading a question, I literally say, holy shit, it's Sting. <laughs> uh, so the reaction was there, but I wasn't listening to it. I didn't get to hear Tony's reaction. I didn't get to hear, you know, JR Excalibur. I didn't really get to live in the moment until afterwards. And, and thank you for, you know, giving me text updates throughout to let me know, you know, in context what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, you know, took my enjoyment down from the possibility of it being this amazing, amazing thing. Uh, that said, when I did watch the show back on Thursday, I did get some goosebumps. Uh, it was, you know, it, everything kind of, you, you know, you just you, you felt it. And I don't have those vivid memories of watching Sting fall from the not fall, but dramatically drop descend from the rafters, from the rafters descend. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Like fucking Batman. I mean, yeah. the crow Batman, essentially, yeah. w- literally with a bat. So he was, in fact, a Batman, uh, if you think about it. So, yeah. Yeah, it it was, you know, it still it still struck nerve as somebody who you know is uh, a wrestling fan and who knows about what has happened in wrestling history. Even though I didn't watch it re- religiously, it still it still struck a chord. Um, but I was also a little confused by and, this and, whole and, thing, and that's fair. When you, when you when you step back out of the moment. The the directionality of it is is a bit oblique to to, yeah. to to give the full context of everything. So uh, for those who are unaware, although let's be perfectly honest, if you are listening to a professional wrestling podcast and you are not aware, considering it's been trending on YouTube for the past few days, right. which also radically insane, totally yeah. crazy. Uh, on Wednesday night, it was AEW's Winter is Coming show, uh, pushed as the biggest dynamite in history, headlined by Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, which we will discuss undoubtedly at length during this podcast. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the show, in nine, top of the 9 o'clock hour, it was Team Taz, as represented by Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, uh, versus Socks. the team of Cody Rhodes and the current TNT champion, one Dobby Allen. Um, it was a very, very fun match. Uh, it, yeah. it was. I was definitely surprised that uh, Darby got the pin. It was a clean pin. I thought. I thought Team Taz mm-hmm. was going to walk away with it because it feels like there there's more story to be told. But uh, it, it turned into a whole to do. Uh, you know. Team Taz uh, gets all pissed off. They start beating down Cody and and Darby. Uh, Arn Anderson, who is wearing the hell out of the most no New Jerseyist of drips, like he's yeah, he's he, got he his Sopranos background yeah. uh, actor. <laughs> he's got his tracksuit, his wife beater, and his chain. Yeah. not a great look for Arn, but weirdly, I appreciated it on him. He gets in there. Brian Cage comes out. There's a beat down on Arn. Lights go out. As I am want to do, I text Chris, Sabu? Not yeah. Sabu. Instead, we get this video package. We get snow. I'm yep. thinking, and and I'm sure I'm not the only one, because of the fact that this guy has been shown as part of the Nightmare family, I'm like, oh, no. are they going to roll Glacier. out Glacier's ass for this? There were <laughs> jokes. That with it being winter is coming on TNT, uh, that they should bring back Glacier for one spot. And I'm, if they brought him out, full gear, snow, lasers, whole nine, yeah. just to do a spin kick on Brian Cage, 
totally fine. I uh, yeah. To me, and and it's funny because I reference Sabu all the time. Uh, there, there's a there's an old Ring of Honor booking idea that that now uh, WWE talent scout Gabe Sapolsky does never got to use, where mm-hmm. he wanted to in one of their like big crazy six man flippy do matches have the lights go out. Sabu's in the ring. He does a dive to the floor. Lights go back out. Sabu's gone. It's never acknowledged. <laughs> like that's it. He shows up. He does a high spot. He's gone. Like I, I, I want someone to payday. do a spot like that. I would have been fine with it being Glacier, but it's dead. It's fucking Sting, and yeah. and it, it it it's played out appropriately as as this tremendous moment. And uh, the part that's weird is no interaction with Team Taz. Mm-mm. Like he he scared him off. Yeah, he he didn't have a moment where he's beating him down with the bat or anything like that. And then what I thought was interesting and and probably intentional, he he went in sort of generational order. He got in the yeah. face of Arn. Arn looks like he's seen a ghost. Nice little nod to their history. He looks at Dustin, who I'd run out during the 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 beatdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks at Cody. Has kind of a dis- look of disgust on Cody, if I'm a honest. Bit. A little bit, yeah. And then most intensely and intently <clears throat> looks at Darby Allen and also takes a nice good look at the unpainted side and the mm-hmm. painted side. Now, one thing I thought was funny was they talked about how Darby Allen was a little stinger. Darby Allen would have been all of two or three when, <laughs> when Sting who uh, yeah. had his big Starcade 97 moment. But, uh, I'm totally cool with the idea being uh, Sting takes Darby under his wing or, or something like that. Um, you know, make it a, a passing of the torch because it's another guy who hangs out in the rafters and mm-hmm. and is the face of TNT and, and all of these things. Um, but there wasn't a lot of there there. If you really take away from the moment, and the moment was tremendous and, and you yeah. try to figure out what happens next. I don't really know. And that could go either way here. Yeah. And because um, when as I was watching it without any of the commentary, just, you know, kind of trying to figure out what the hell was going on, the way he did look at both Cody and Darby, it did kind of look like he was uh, thinking about maybe fucking him up. So, um, you know, uh, curious to see his intentions explained this week. They a couple segments later, they had a graphic up. Uh, maybe it was on the uh, the run through for the next show. And mm-hmm. it, it said it said Sting speaks next week week and at a quick glance looking at the tv not the best i thought font. not the I best thought, font. yeah i thought it said sting spears and i'm like Hold on, why the fuck is he fighting sean spears <laughs> next week this is a terrible idea on many many levels uh and then i realized it said speaks so or you texted yeah. me and said it yeah. said speaks either way i was like okay that makes a little bit more sense you're not the only one i i saw quite a few people on twitter going did that say Sting Spears? Why are they doing? Why are they doing Sean Spears? Why is Sting working right. a match? Like- <laughs> well, and that leads us into the discussion here. Yeah, what do you think Sting's, um, you know, purpose or role will be here? I mean, on on face value, just looking at what's happened, knowing everything over the history of AEW, this just has to be done to pop the fifty plus rating, right? 100%. I mean. 100%. To get those old TNT people who used to watch Nitro and Thunder and Saturday Night and all these yeah. other shows back into the fold. Because, you know, 
that and, and they are probably already airing um you know spots and promos and content advancers or whatever you want to call them on tnt uh showing sting showing yeah. up on on dynamite to get people to tune into dynamite yeah so they got a solid number for winter is coming they cr- it insanely crushed in the demo yeah um number and had two a really show of the good, night i mean yeah on cable, yeah, which yeah. is insane. Um, and they also had a really good under a million, but still a really good number uh, for total viewers. So I'm curious to see what changes this Wednesday's uh, or Thursday's ratings for Wednesday's show with a promoted uh, appearance of Sting. Yes, you know to to get out there. But to circle back to my original question, do you think there's anything more? to it than this is it going to be just an on-camera sort of uh coaching sort of role do you think do you think he's going to get in there and and bump in and i I certainly hope he doesn't because even before the the absolute fluke and 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 sad injury from seth rollins the match with seth and sting was not very good like you know, for a, what was it, four years ago? So he was, like, 58 years old at the time. Like, yeah. it was it was fine. Like, uh, I mean, a better performance than I would give Seth. Sure. But, <laughs> but <laughs> at, at the same time, it wasn't what I would call good. Yeah. I, I don't think the money in, is there in Sting as a professional wrestler. It is Sting... As a a uh, a method of which of drawing eyes to build to the next generation, mm-hmm. um, which you know we all forget, but that's <laughs> kind of what pro wrestling is built on the idea that the that the guys at the top build the next group in, and then that right. group builds the next group in. Um, I that's something some people have s- seemed to forgotten. Yes, uh, and I I think he's the right choice because you know. Absolute 100% died in the wool AEW fan. I saw a comment like this, and it's true. When I saw the uh, the the graphic for the next few Dynamites, you know, when they were doing, like, the ticket promos, mm-hmm. seeing Sting in that lineup adds a level of, of established stardom yeah. that they didn't have. You know, yeah. as much as we can talk about a guy like Chris Jericho... Uh, who admittedly does have some mainstream bona fides, or a John Moxley, who literally was a top guy in WWE a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Average person on the street doesn't know who they are. It's it, it's it's not a name or a face that makes the the lapsed fan go, oh that guy. Right. You have Sting in there, and people start paying a little bit closer attention, and and the face paint certainly helps hide the ravages of aging. Yes, very much so. And the aforementioned hairline situation happening there. But yes, yes, the paint helps. And that shit was caked on because HD extreme close up. You could see (laughs) the multiple layers of paint on there. Now, uh, do you find it to be interesting, the timing of this, whereas uh, the previous Sunday – uh, you know, the wrestling world said goodbye to the, you know, the mirror, the the kind of bizarro uh, version yes, of, yes. of you know, the stinger and then the, the stinger the, shows the up. The yin to the yang. Right. And in black and white and maybe a splotch of purple in there as well. It almost yeah. makes me think that, um, you know. We missed another opportunity to raise a thousand dollars to send a cameo to to meet Mark. I got your note. 
and uh, just wanted to wish Stinger TNT for life a uh, <laughs> successful debut this Wednesday <laughs> on Dynamite. I, I also got to wonder how much money Tony Khan's throwing at him because they said it's a multi-year deal, which is yeah. wild. Well, I, you don't know how many per appearances per year, fair, and honestly, I wouldn't be – Tony seems smart enough to um, – I, I have to imagine merch is a massive uh, portion of this deal because yeah. everybody knows that Sting's going to sell T-shirts. And he did. Um, Boy, did he. And he did. Yeah. So I'd imagine that maybe you know it's kind of backloaded on merch. And, uh, you know, I, I have no idea how the fucking contracts work or whatever, but I, I would think that that would be a, a big deal in there. Um, but yeah, it's gotta be a significant chunk of change. And, you know, we keep talking about how the roster is, is bloating and nobody's getting released, which is a good thing and admirable. And there shouldn't be releases right now in the middle of a fucking pandemic, which right. is never seeming to end because people are fucking idiots. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a hefty price tag. I want to, I, I want to know the, the conversation that, uh, the TK had with Papa Khan uh, and be like, hey, dad, uh, remember, remember Sting? Remember the, the yeah. crow guy and the face paint and the bat and the rafters Ow. and stuff? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> no, not the surfer. We're, we were past the surfer stuff. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he, was, yeah. we were, he was the black and white guy at this point. Uh, yeah, we want to we want to bring him in the, to AEW here. Uh, you want to chalk up a couple couple million a year for this guy? Who knows? Guy? Maybe that was um, I, was it uh, was it in did Impact do the thing? I, I feel like uh, uh, the main event mafia. Yes, they no, did. No, no. Did, did Impact <laughs> do the thing where the network paid for certain guys' uh, contracts? I feel like that was a thing. Sounds familiar. You, uh, you probably would remember better than I would. Because maybe this was a TNT call. Maybe TNT said, "Hey, you know, that's true. What about some of the stars <laughs> of yesteryear to to bump that fifty plus?" What I mean, we next do? we need to get Glacier in there. Yeah, I mean, obviously exactly. that's the next. <laughs> <laughs> Blood all, runs all cold. Have it's to, necessary. All I have to implore TK, and I believe he said something on record about never doing this or not wanting to do this. Yeah. Please, please, please do yeah. not bring in Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Please, please, please. I implore yeah. you. I beg of you. Yeah. Don't please bring do not Hogan. bring in Hulk Hogan. What did they bring in Flair? Uh, well, you know, Ric Flair has allegiance to the almighty dollar, so he will go to whomever is paying him more. Fair. And I would not be surprised if uh, Ric Flair getting word of Sting showing up in AEW uh, sent a little light bulb above uh, Nature's head saying, oh, I'm going to go try and uh, squeeze some more money out of Vince and uh, try and call up uh, Tony Khan to see what they'll offer as well. I, I, yeah, I'm, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, again, I, I – <sighs> Oh, man, this is probably going to get me some heat. I feel like Flair in 2020, 2021 is not as valuable an asset as Sting. He's he's certainly been fucked out a bit more. Like, yes, Flair has been everywhere. Sting was infamously never the WWE guy and his WWE right. run was very short. And um, not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not. I mean, and, and that's not to say his impact run was very good either. Like, I are we going to talk I, about WrestleMania play button here? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, not going to talk about that. Not going to talk about the fact that it basically turned into DX versus the NWO, and the fact that the NWO saved Sting when they were mortal enemies. And that's all. Yeah. Anyway, 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 anyway. He is a guy who has been far less on the public radar. In right. recent memory versus a Ric Flair. Um, I don't really know how many other guys from the prime WCW era that really could 
sort of surprise people. A Goldberg's been kind of fucked out by WWE. Uh, Lex Luger can't move, so not yeah. him. Yep, he's um, out. DDP has been on the show. Uh, yeah. Not regularly, but enough. Um, Raven. <laughs> Raven and the flock invades the there, uh, there, team up with Team Taz. There was a rumor for a little while that Raven was going to end up being the uh, uh, exalted one. And yeah, didn't he kind of go the uh, Val Kilmer route and really, uh, you know, set up camp around the craft service table? <laughs> he he did blow it up a bit. Okay, uh, right. I, I don't know what he looks like in, in, in 2020. Um, I, I haven't seen a, a recent photo of him, but I do remember some people thinking it might be him. He might have even done because remember, there were like the masked voice promos. He might have even done one of yeah. those, like someone. Vampiro. Vampiro. <laughs> yeah. Cart he'll, him out. He'll audibly fart on air. It'll be yeah. great. Um, <laughs> dear God. Wait for his music that, to play before he does the run in. That right there is what makes Penta and Phoenix leave the company. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bringing in. Well, Vampiro was like the early, like. I, honestly, Vampiro is partly responsible for Pentagon's oh, career. No disagreement. I'm just saying that they'd just be like, "Is this Lucha Underground all over again?" Yeah, yeah. They definitely get some PTSD flashbacks. The, okay, so here's the guy you bring in. Mm-hmm. Fucking bring in Dario Cueto, goddammit. it! I mean, <laughs> what are you waiting for, Tony? Bring in, bring in Dario Cueto and just say he's Tony Khan. Don't acknowledge get- that Tony Khan's been on screen before. You will get tens of new viewers yes. of the people who watch Lucha Underground yes. who will appreciate seeing Dario Cueto. Wait, wait, just bring him in as a manager. I'm, he doesn't I'm, have to be like I'm the guy. I'm my headset right now. Yes, that's yeah. right. Everyone who watched Lucha Underground is watching AEW anyway. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it's not going to move the needle at all. <laughs> no, it'll move my needle <laughs> from 6 to midnight right quick. All right. Um, get Mr. Gill and uh, Luis Fernando Gill, I think his uh, real name is. Yeah. It's kind of weird seeing – I, I equate him to the uh, chairman from Iron Chef America because <laughs> they're both like legit actors. So yes. when you see them pop up on other things, like yeah, it's fucking like, – what's the chairman doing on uh, on yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. Or what's what's Dario Cueto doing on Curb Your Enthusiasm? What's Dario Cueto doing totally... in the Impact Zone? Wait, that's not right. <laughs> No, 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 definitely not, please. Although, we'll get to that in a little bit. So. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, let's just dig into a little bit of AEW. Um, AEW, of course, we, we talked about the, the tag match. Uh, the Winter's Coming show was just filled with plot twists and turns. Uh, we ha- we kicked off the show, and, and we're not going to go segment by segment because there's a lot of stuff to talk about this week still. There's still uh, TakeOver tonight. There's the New Japan finals are set for the World mm-hmm. Tag League and, and Best of the Super Juniors. Um you know, there's there's stuff to get into. So we're, yeah. we're, we're going to bounce around quite a bit today. Um so the show kicked off with the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal, mm-hmm. uh, which at least personally for a company that I feel like has done an excellent job of booking their Battle Royals up until the end, I thought was like the least good one they've done. It, it really it really didn't work for me very much. But by the end, they got me to the point where I legit because they did the the guy gets pulled out from under yeah. and is on the outside. I forgot that Orange Cassidy had been pulled out by Kip Sabian and, and Miro, who really need a, a, a team name. Um, yeah. I, I, I forgot that that happened, so I, I bit into what the faux finish was. Um, but after a, a lot of back and forth, including probably the most impressive booking of Miro 
thus far. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, he he came out looking like a beast. He eliminated a lot of people, yes. took a lot of people to eliminate him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was a lot of good stuff to come out for Miro in that, which is definitely it's uh, a step in the right direction. Still right. need to work on the whole gimmick and everything, but uh, we'll they, get there they, when we get there. They kept him beastly, which was important. Yes. Also of note, uh, kind of weird. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it goes without saying, always weird. Uh, Sean Spears uh, continues to be a thing, and they're still fucking out the thing with him and Scorpio Sky. If I'm Scorpio, didn't they pay that off? Didn't they have a match? They they did. Uh, if I'm Scorpio Sky, I'm hoping Sean Spears gets COVID real fast, real soon. So <laughs> he can't be on TV. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, the, the type of COVID where you get over it, but you just can't okay. be on TV, so they have to give you a different storyline. Um, <laughs> Even like even Tully looks like annoyed with this. Like, <laughs> he does. This. He's just like, God damn guy. it! I'm doing this stuff with FTR, <laughs> and instead I'm stuck with this piece of shit. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. the the icon Matt Hardy thing is weird. Uh, I, I I like the gimmick. The gimmick is comical, but having him eliminate a lot of people was a little suspect. I mean, yes and no. I mean, he's an established uh, performer yeah. with a lot of experience. So, you know, it would lead credence to the fact that he would be able to eliminate a bunch of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, there are a couple other storylines that were kind of interwoven without, especially there was one with the inner circle mm-hmm. with because uh, you had uh, MJF, who had the ring one last year and yes. Sammy Guevara and Wardlow all in there. Yes. And at one point they all just kind of. We're hanging out in a corner keeping yeah. away from the action, which I always love when heels do that because yes. it makes the most sense. They, they were they were um, very strategically keeping themselves out of the firing range. They right. uh they actually had two segments where they did that. There was one where they were like in the lower left, closer yeah. to the hard cam, and then in the upper right. Uh and and I believe the final group was uh Miro, uh Jungle Boy, and then the three guys from the inner circle. With, and then Orange Cassidy with on Orange Cassidy on the outside, right? Um, Jungle Boy, he gets his few moments of hope. Uh, kind of made me realize I really want a Jungle Boy Mirror program at some point. Um, yeah, he also had a really fun sequence uh, out on the ring apron with Sammy Guevara. Yes, yes, they had a, they had a very very awesome. fun sequence. Oh, speaking of fun sequences, uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds had some nice yeah. moments there. Uh, and I almost nice. forgot uh, the Hangman Page getting saved and mass. By uh, the Dark Order, who the old Rosebud him, save. Yeah, did the Rosebud save into the uh, Buckshot Lariat, which yeah. I, I thought was was really nice. I'm I'm interested in seeing where that continues to go. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they they did the whole fake out ending. It looked like the last two were really Wardlow and MJF, which right, you know, a nice a nice tease that. Uh, we may get that collision sooner rather than later. And I like that MJF eliminated Guevara and Jungle Boy simultaneously. And then, you know, of course, played it off that it was an accident. He was trying to eliminate Jungle Boy, but they were up on the top rope together. So, yeah, that that they're really I'm really looking forward to the eventual Sammy Guevara versus MJF match because they're just they're building and they built it again later on in the show with the tag match with Jericho and Hager. No, I'm sorry. It was just uh, Jericho versus uh, Kazarian. Kazarian. Mm -hmm. The tag match was last week. But. But um, but yeah, so uh, the, just these little little bits yeah. of character work of Sammy. Once Sammy turns on the inner circle, uh, it's going to be face. a good run for him. Yeah, mega face. Uh, but yeah, OC comes back into the match. He does a big comeback. Has some nice back and forth with Wardlow. 
Uh, MJF realizes what's happening, starts losing his mind. OC ends up eliminating Wardlow, and we get uh, MJF versus OC for the Dynamite Ring next week. That'll uh, pop a rating. That yes, should be a good match. Which, which should be a good match. Uh, the, I will say this. MJF retaining the ring gives him something to continue to be insufferable about. Yes. OC with the ring, don't really know where that would go. So I, I'm thinking MJF keeps it another year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that that's the, the smarter, smarter play. Uh, but speaking of the inner circle, like you said, after the Jericho Kazarian match, which was fine, totally fine. I mean, it, it was not great by any means, but it was not bad by any means. It just, yeah, it was okay. It, it, it was perfectly admirable. Um, there was a big yelling and shoving match between the inner circle and we will get the inner circle ultimatum next week, which kind of feels like they're trying to make fetch happen. Jericho can't come up with a fun name for every single segment he does. We've had yeah, we've had trying. town halls, we've had debates, we've had dinner debonair. Sorry, New York Times award winning dinner debonairs. Uh, we we've Man, had is fucking weird. Yeah, uh, we we've had nights in Vegas. We've had all these different things. <laughs> My gut is that uh, the inner circle makes it through this, but it's very clear that no one's happy about it. Yeah, 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 without a doubt. Uh, but the main although I will also say, uh, and I don't often give Jake Hager compliments, uh, but Jake Hager in that jacket looked like a total prick. Um, <laughs> so it actually really worked for his character. He did look like a big goddamn doofus. I, yeah. I, I, I thought it worked too. Um, we had uh, a little bit of build for TH2 versus Young Bucks next week, which included <sighs> a promo where. The Bucks were cut off by uh, two, well, young Bucks of their own uh, in the Acclaimed, um, who are Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. They've been very, very impressive on Dark. Uh, Bowens has sort of a John Cena-esque gimmick where he, uh, he raps about his opponents before the match. His raps have been good up until the time he's actually on television. Man, and okay, so I don't watch Dark on a reg basis, yes. uh, so I had no idea really who these guys were. Yes. Um, they didn't really do a good job of introducing themselves. Yeah, and... unfortunately, it was the standard Excalibur. <clears throat> that's blah, and that's blah. Right, and this rap was less John Cena, more Noah's Arcade from Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> It was pretty cringe. Uh, I did not enjoy this until TH2 showed up and started beating up the Young Bucks. That part I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. That, that was really the only thing that I thought was was uh, truly outstanding about that. I, I also don't hate the idea of uh, sort of a, 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 a group forming to take down the Young Bucks made up of multiple teams. TH2, yeah. the Acclaimed, maybe throw a third in there. Um Jack Evans is probably older than the Young Bucks, though, isn't he? Uh, he is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Evans, I think, is. I think he was born in '82. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Because somebody, I mean, somebody older than me. I always like to hear that. Evans, <laughs> you know, popped up in Ring of Honor in 2004. So, right. You know, he's, yeah, I know he's, he's been, been around there for a while. Uh, I will say, <clears throat> I'm still mad that they aren't giving Jack Evans a live mic on TNT because his promos are ridiculous yeah. and amazing. So uh, maybe we can get one of those before the match on Dynamite next week. But uh, the the thing that drew the most eyeballs, the reason why everyone was there was the main event AEW World Championship John Moxley defending against Kenny Omega. Uh, the rematch from Full Gear 2019 
the match that Moxley won, but was not on the record books. Omega, of course, wanting to prove that he is still the best bout machine. He's still the cleaner. He's still the best in the world. Uh, this had big fight feel all over it from the entrances yeah. to uh, a, a very, very literally cold crowd uh, yeah. bringing the heat, bringing the excitement. Uh, from the moment the bell rang, you had a lot of let's go Moxley, let's go Omega uh, chance, the, the whole back and forth. I will say that this match struck me as um, not that different from uh, Omega and Ibushi in the, the G1 uh, finals a few years ago, or semifinals a few years ago, where the buildup is about, we intend to have rematches. We intend to have future contests, so let's leave some things in the tank. This was not a five-star classic. No. This was, this was not the best match I've seen all year. It was a very, very good television match. It ran a half hour. It was enjoyable. The f The finishing stretch was phenomenal. Yes. But the part that has everyone talking is the booking, which is not something you typically say about AEW. Yeah, so uh, I'm kind of with you in, in regards to the actual match. It, actually, it started out a little, okay, uh, started out a little slow and a little, okay, yeah, these guys are just kind of warming up, going through the motions, literally and figuratively warming up. Um, and then I feel like it took a turn, uh, I guess, when the chairs were introduced with this really weird – I've never seen a spot like that before. Have you seen anything like uh, that? The sit-down – The sit-down uh, sit strike uh, so, sitch. So that I've was, seen it like the like sit-down crisscross applesauce and do that or something yeah. like that, but not like in chairs. That That is a shout-out to basically mid-90s, mid-2000s death matches. That was – Okay. Uh, one of your favorites, Chris. That was a necro butcher spot to okay to do right. to do the sit down uh, the sit down uh, bar fight. Um, okay. and they so, were fucking laying into each other too. Yeah, uh, as is tradition with that type yeah. of spot. Uh, I I appreciated it, it being in there under the context of Mox sort of giving a wink and a nod to where he came from. Sure. Um, but uh. The, the whole story of the match was the idea of this gentleman's agreement that there would be no weapons, there would be no interference, there would be none of this. Just a uh, pure the, wrestling match. The crowd literally booed, like, as if it was the biggest heel turn ever for Moxley bringing in the chairs, but it was, again, to set up kind of a gentlemanly slugfest. Yeah, um, which I love the finish being for that of yeah. uh, Moxley eating a V-trigger in the chair. Yes. Which looked absolutely brutal, too. Yes. Uh, so, once we got to the finishing stretch, it was Reversal City. It, it was everything you would want out of a match of these two. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Omega throwing out crazy spots. He even attempted the Phoenix. The, like the, the, the Everything you could have wanted came out of it. Now, Something that was kind of interesting was, much like the finals of the world title eliminator, Don Callis, Impact Wrestling Executive, mm -hmm. at the booth, doing color commentary. He, of course, has a long-standing history with Kenny Omega, uh, mm -hmm. both in and out of kayfabe. And he had called many a prestigious match, including his uh, victory for the IWGP heavyweight title. And probably Don Callis' best performance ever, full stop. So Don Callis is doing commentary. He's actually doing a very good job of commentary. Somehow they made a four-man booth work. Didn't I think will, it was. Just to, just to pick nits here, um, if you're a guest on commentary, yeah. 
yeah. don't do play by play. I get it. You're familiar with the guy and his moveset and everything, but you're there to, to add color. You're not you're not the play by play guy. And I know, you know, he has a history as a play by play guy or sure. no, he's basically been color most of this. Yeah, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, that was that was that was my nit to pick there with with Don. But, you know, he relayed the information about Kenny and their relationship. They they laid the groundwork for what would later happen. Yes. And um, so uh, the match continues. Moxley gets aggressive. There's a box outside containing two large industrial heaters. And what happens is uh, Omega gets caught by Moxley. Moxley does the paradigm shift into this heater box. Mm-hmm. All the refs come out. You know, the, the doc is checking on Omega because Omega's not moving. Um, it's a whole big to-do. And traditionally, this is where you go, oh, this is where the, the schmoz happens. Yeah. But this is AEW. We don't typically see a schmoz. Don Callis walks over, starts checking on Omega. Of course, it's a whole to-do because that's his real-life friend. Mox wants to finish the match anyway, rolls Omega in. For two seconds there, I was wondering if there was some sort of legit injury that yeah. you know d- was not uh, anticipated. Some Maybe uh, a small burn or something where it's just sure. like, shit, we, we fucked up the spot, you know? Um, and then... Callus is still out there. Callus has a microphone and he's literally saying to him, like, what are you doing? He's hurt. He's hurt. And I had to go, yeah. oh, this is when it starts to get <laughs> filled with fuckery. Yes. So Moxley gets in the face of Don Callis, hits Don Callis. Don Callis's lapel flower thing does the cell of a lifetime on it. Really? That was like, like a slow-mo uh, <laughs> comic book hero uh, origin story situation there. It was pretty fantastic. Uh, down goes Don Callis. The microphone happens to be near Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. The referee, Paul Turner, checking on Don Callis. Omega picks up the microphone, hits John Moxley in the head with that oh-so-wonderful thunk noise. Four V-triggers later and an OWA, one-wing angel in the center of the ring. You have a new AEW world champion in an absolute son of a bitch in Kenny Omega. As then, Don Callis pops up. We realize this was the plan all along, and they go running through the back in a moment reminiscent of the type of endings you would have during a prime era attitude raw. Just pure excitement and ridiculousness and controversy. They're running through the back. Tony Khan's in in the gorilla spot. Like, you know, what just happened? Why did you do this? They run past, you know, the the random assortment of dark guys who are all pissed off and booing them. They're running to a waiting car. Somehow Alex Marvez got out there. Alex Marvez is out there because I guess that's just where he lives. He's not allowed to be in the actual backstage because everyone hates him as much as we do. Rightfully so. And... He's going, what What just happened? What's going on? He's trying to get an answer out of Don Callis. And Don Callis says, we'll tell you all what happened on Tuesday. And in the statement heard around the world, Alex Marvez says, not the smartest thing, goes, but, but Dynamite's on Wednesday. And Omega says, impact, or, Callis. Access, or Callis says, impact, access TV, we'll see you on Tuesday. So there you go. AEW and Impact 
working together. I'm wondering if the first person who went, God fucking damn it, when they saw this on the television backstage was Sting. He just left Impact <laughs> not that long ago, and he's kind of back in that company. I'm sure he has a fair bit of control over what he's asked to do, or it, so I'm sure it won't be any. Uh, he won't be showing up at Victory Road 2021. <laughs> we'll, we'll put we'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an interesting situation. So this is really the meat uh, to, of discussion here with a working relationship between AEW and Impact uh and apparently from you know what press uh release not press releases but words to the press that we've heard from Tony Khan is that he's open to working with everybody yeah and that i think is a really smart stance yes. so if obviously WWE is not going to work with anybody at yeah. that level yeah. they'll absorb a couple indies well, if you're Triple H and you're doing a press conference before NXT TakeOver, you say something like, hey, look, we're open for business at any time, yeah. you guys. Fuck off. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. yeah. Not, not as long as VKM yeah. is And, and, uh, and the devil is always oxygen. listening. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty sure. much what it is there. Yeah. Like, no, no not, 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 not for real. But, you know, uh, they, they've shown that they can work with MLW because they've mm-hmm. had MLW talent on Dark. They've shown that they can work with AAA. Kenny Omega is currently the champion of AAA. He's going to pop yep. up at Triple Mania. And according to rumors, you might see some... AEW talent under some superhero theme masks. Yep. Pence and uh, Phoenix have a match at Triple Mania as well. Exactly. Like there's the borders have clearly been open or as open as COVID allows them to be. True. uh, Which is why we have not seen, but definitely heard a lot of name drops of say Akazuchika Okada uh, throughout that main event. But the, the impact uh, working relationship was definitely not one that people were expecting. Uh, yes, our dear friend Justin Schlegel, just a reminder, Schlegel's Soapbox every month, patreon.com slash roughhousepodcast. Uh, he said that it would be great if we could get the women's division of Impact into AEW. I second that thought. Third. But, uh, but the, the, uh, not just because of Jordan Grace, but because they've got well, a, a tremendous group. Mostly of because of Jordan Grace, though. Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the thing here, though, like is... You. The thing here is, though, for probably the first time in, God, 10 years, Impact, Impact is relevant. Is relevant. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a bit of something that people find worth talking about. The, the reverberations of this were such, I have not seen that much wrestling talk on the internet outside of the corralled spaces of professional wrestling talk. Like... I saw on my Twitter list, I saw on forums and, and, and Reddit and all these places, I saw more comments about what happened on Dynamite. Maybe ever? Like, the, the, there is... There I is mean, a, it was two, two of the biggest developments yes. in AEW history on one show. Yeah. Like, that. The it really is, to use, uh, again, a, a, a Schlegel reference here, it is the rising tide raising all ships right now. Because right. The, the positive glow around AEW and concurrently impact, something which seemed to be impossible because well, I mean, of this moment. Been like, Impact's been low-key solid um yeah. you know like they have a, a an amazing roster mm-hmm. but they're just not they don't get the 
attention and i'm certainly guilty of it i've not watched anything aside from a couple clips uh of of things that have happened on impact uh over the past year or so um so yeah guilty is charged uh but you know do i have an interest in what happens tuesday night on impact now you damn right i do so mission accomplished yeah, so uh, Tuesday night, Kenny Omega, Don Callis, it's already been announced. They will be on Impact on Access. Uh, I imagine that there are literally dozens, if not hundreds of people now Googling the phrase, do I get access? Right. What is access? Where <laughs> yeah. is access? How is access? Uh, just a reminder, though, if you just go to uh, Impact's Twitch page. You can just watch it for free on there on Tuesday night. So that, that is also an, an option uh, for for people who may be interested. <laughs> Nevertheless, very interesting, very cool, and gets me all the more closer to that uh, Young Bucks, Motor City Machine Guns, Top Flight three-way tag that uh, all three teams have talked about wanting to have on Twitter. Um, very exciting night for AEW. Very exciting night for pro wrestling. Uh, which is probably important because I think the next few weeks are going to be relatively quiet. I believe every single uh, Dynamite for the rest of the year is pre-taped. So this lends to the question, um, w- what does John Moxley do next? Yeah. You know, he's yeah. he's lost the title. He was left uh, bloodied and broken in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Um, we didn't really get eyes on him because they were following Callus and Omega out. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, actually, didn't Eddie Kingston come out? Well, that, that was the other thing. I don't know if it was supposed to be over the live air, but something that added to the chaotic feel. I forgot to mention yeah. that. Thank you for the reminder. You just hear all of a sudden, I don't know if it was a PA or into one of the I feel the like he went mics. to the announce table and yeah. grabbed Callus's mic and was like, <laughs> yeah. forget this. I want Lance Archer right now. And then they go off <laughs> and the they air. And they go off like, the what? air. <laughs> I okay. loved it. I Thanks, loved it because it, it added to that idea of like they've lost control of this fucking yeah. show. Like, yes. <laughs> I mean, but, also Kingston's delivery was a ten out of ten. I want yeah. Lance Archer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely gets a. Uh, he's in the running for the MVP award of the year, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in regards to John Moxley, a lot of discussion has been had by us and by others as to whether or not he's going to show up at the Dome for uh, for Wrestle Kingdom in a month. If they are taping all these dynamites, then, you know, he can definitely do what he has to do and then go quarantine for a couple weeks. I don't know, especially now with the announcement that Renee is pregnant and congratulations, you're having a little girl. They announced yes. yesterday because yes. um, they're listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> Appreciate you, Renee. Yeah. I listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening to ours, um, <laughs> which, by the way, did you listen to the oral sessions? I, I haven't yet. Is it good? It's actually kind of adorable to hear them just talk about their you know relationship and they're clearly crazy about each other and it's really uh-huh. uh it's really it's and there's a couple of fun nuggets in there as well so yeah i would recommend oral sessions is the new uh renee paquette uh podcast and mox was the the first one on there i think uh um i saw josh, josh barnett, barnett was on the there second. too and yeah and, i haven't listened to that yet mox dipped in to talk about um Bloodsport. how they were going to shoot an angle at an actual mma show uh, awesome. I I think it Bellator is who uh, Barnett's fighting for, but the okay. idea was uh, Mox was going to jump in the cage. <laughs> awesome, do a run in an MMA yes. match. Yeah, because they were going to build a blood sport. Um, but that's great. But but nevertheless, but yeah. I, I I will have to check that out. So Moxley is the IWGP or US champion, the yes. New Japan US champion. Yes. I, I'm not sure however they're titling I, it IWGP US champion. Okay, I thought so. So, um, you know, he hasn't 
defended it. I don't. He hasn't been in Japan since last Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I believe no, no, no. He, he was there for um, New Beginning because that's when they did the uh, oh because Zack Saber Junior. Well, he, like, did, he did the match with Minoru Suzuki, and they had the tag and, match with uh, him and Okada versus Minoru Suzuki, and who was it with? I forget who the fourth guy was. I, well, I remember because Saber ZSJ like beat him down, and then was like staring at the uh, U.S. title. Oh yes, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was the tease as to what was going to happen, probably for Dominion or something, or whatever, whatever the next big show yeah. after after that would have been. Um, but uh, so he's the U.S. champ. Kenta has the U.S. Uh, briefcase. briefcase contract. Yeah. So you know, Kenta lives in the U.S. Mostly, but has been traveling to Japan for shows. Um, If, you know, if uh, Tony is open to working with everybody, maybe, you know, maybe we get something between Kenta and and um, Moxley in the U.S. at a New Japan Strong show or does Mox go to Japan? Well, it's funny you say that. I don't know exactly where all this is going to go. It's just something worth noting Uh, on New Japan Strong this week. Uh, they ran, it was not for the briefcase, but they ran Kenta, uh, versus, um, Brody King and Brody King beat Kenta clean. Really? Yeah. So considering they've filmed the entire year's worth of new Japan strong in advance, it's entirely possible. I would think that Brody King may end up with the briefcase and they could probably run King versus Mox in the States. He's ring of honor. I recognize his ring of honor, but if everybody, <laughs> if everybody's open for business, maybe, maybe that's where things get flipped, turned around. I mean, that'd be really interesting. I mean, you know, we've either, like we've already said, we've already had a number of talents from other promotions show up on dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's no negative in doing this. I mean, why could you not have sure Brody King show up and, uh, Acknowledge the U.S. title from New Japan yeah. and, and have a match on there. And possibly gets... at that point acknowledge the Ring of Honor World title because Brody King in the main event of Final Battle for Ring of Honor, Final Battle 2020, Oosh. officially subtitled "Take the Belts Off All the Mexicans." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, folks, if you haven't looked at the lineup, it appears to be that they're going to change every title. No, I recognize. All of the Ring of Honor titles right now are held by Mexican talent, but it's all Mexican talent who has not been on Ring of Honor TV since the pandemic, and they're all coming back to defend their titles against guys yeah. who are currently being pushed. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you got you got Brody King going against Roosh. I, I for, uh, let me see if I can uh, find the the full breakdown of oh the six man well, tag the TV match. champ is T- Dragon Lee, right? Yeah, TV champ is Dragon Lee, and he's going against the winner of a four way. Uh, between Tony Depp and Dak Draper, LSG and Josh Wood, so probably Tony Depp and uh, I've heard of him. Group. So yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and and the six man tag belts are Mexa Squad, which is Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace defending against Shane Taylor Promotions. That's Shane Taylor and the Soldiers of Savagery. Who's Shane Taylor again? Shane, Shane <laughs> Taylor is not Keith Lee. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So. Interesting. Flamita, Bandito, and Ray Horace. Didn't Ray Horace just sign a new deal with somebody? Was it Ring of Honor? Um, Ray Horace, I, it might have been. Or was it him? 
I, I feel like he's he just signed somewhere. Yeah, uh, I think he did a match for uh, for MLW also. So I don't who know. the hell knows anymore. All, all he I'm used saying to be is, but I go on Azteca in Lucha Underground. Yes. So. But all I know is if you just take a look at that show, it really looks like the idea is let, let's get these belts back on Americans. Crush the, the chimichanga day with Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who knows? Bernie King could be a Ring of Honor champion that shows up to face John Moxley for the U.S. championship. Cool. Um, Although it would probably be better if he wasn't. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, no one really wants to be a Ring of Honor champion right now. They, uh, they Yeah. Come on. Uh, anyway, while we're talking about New Japan, let's jump very quickly jump into. Uh, we have the finals now set for Best of the Super Juniors and World Tag League. World Tag League continues to be a series of shows you can skip. Best of the Super Juniors continues to surprise. Uh, and the finals line up very nicely with how we've been feeling, Chris. Are you, yeah. are you aware of what the finals are yet? I am. I okay. didn't get up and watch, but I saw the, the spoilers this morning, and yes. I'm very interested in that Best of Super Juniors final. Very, yeah. very. So I'll start with the World Tag League final because it's uh, less exciting. Uh, it is the Finn Juice team, Juice Robinson and David Finley facing Defending the champs. Yes, uh, facing the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, that will be the finals there, and, and presumably, okay. of course, the winners will uh, continue on uh, to get a tight, tag title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, probably dangerous techers against Finn Juice would be my guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Finn Juice won last year, but there's no, you know, Finn uh, um, uh, Finley, you know, didn't really pop back up until this. Juice yeah. had the strong G1. Uh, you know, appearances and performance there. So yeah, I, I could I could see that happening. Although you know, it's never out of the realm of possibility for God to get those titles back. And then uh, the best of the Super Juniors final, absolutely shocking, as it's going to be Master Wado and Bushi going one on one. Oh my God, I can't think of a match I want to see less. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be Hiromu Takahashi and fuck yeah, El Desperado. In the finals Let's go. Of the best of the super juniors, uh, because uh, Hiromu and Desperado both have wins over Taji Ishimori, who also finished with 14 points. Uh, Ishimori out of the tournament entirely. So it's Hiromu, El Desperado. I, I assume this is going to lead to Hiromu versus Taji Ishimori at the dome. Sure. But I would love for Despi to get a junior title shot. That would be. Yeah fucking dope uh, yeah, i don't know what you would do a... with hiromu instead but right yeah despy's had a hell of a tournament uh you know as good in the ring as his uh as his post-match comments have been which have been, kind of been the, some of the highlights of the uh of the press conferences afterwards so yes. so yeah very uh very much looking forward to that either way i'm fine with it but yeah the storyline and everything you know a uh, return match from jingu stadium between hiromu and ishimori does make a ton of sense and will be a great match yeah but um would hope to see you know despy maybe maybe the that match is on night one and then despy gets to challenge the guy on night two for the title would yeah. be fun. Something yeah. like that. Just Maybe they the go to a draw. There. So they end up, I mean, it'd be yet another title match gets split over two nights. But yeah. Maybe they go to a draw and, and Taiji Ishimori has to defend against both one-on-one night, one-on-one the other. I, yeah. I, we, we will see what happens because that is next Friday, December 11th. Uh, good Lord. We're already, <laughs> we're already heading Boy. to mid-December. 
Boy, tell me about it. Oh, man. It <laughs> I is. just scheduled movers the other day, so it's uh, shit be real. Um, where did show finish up in the rankings? Do you have the oh, rankings for uh, me? So? One, one second. Let me go ahead and reopen that. Uh, so I think show, show lost was in fourth. today. Show was okay. in fourth. He had 12 points. Okay. So, uh, right. you know, just outside of the top three. Um, yeah. I think it came down to today's match between him, yeah. he and Ishimori. Yes. As to who would be in that situation. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a, a decent showing for show, uh, but you know, I, I, I would love for them to get super behind him next year because he is really, uh, a star in the making right there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys save for a master Wado and a Taguchi really had solid tournaments. Robbie Eagles had mm-hmm. a number of great matches. Um, you know, uh, Bushi showed up yeah. <laughs> and put on some great matches. Bushi well. put on the, the, the working boots. And, Doki uh, occasionally took not, off the white T-shirt. Occasionally, yeah. Uh, Doki, aside from not picking up many uh, W's, had some strong performances as well. There was one other development that happened this morning that we uh, forgot to mention is in the tag division uh, because it looked like the LIJ team of Shingo and Sonata uh, lost to the Empire of Jeff Cobb and uh, Great Okan, and after the match in which Jeff Cobb manhandled Shingo Takagi. Yes. Uh, Jeff Cobb's going after that never never title. So which, Jeff Cobb versus yeah. Shingo at the Dome. Fucking yes, please. Yes, let's let's make that happen immediately. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that should be absolutely awesome. Uh, also, they announced the return of Wrestling Dantaku, which will be two days in May. Okay. So uh, an- another big New Japan show coming back to the schedule after the pandemic. So that's exciting. Uh, and uh, before we go, let's very quickly talk about the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> For over okay. 50 years, the revolutionary force. But you know what? If I'm really honest, we can just cut to this part. <laughs> So tonight uh, on the WWE Network, although if you're not listening to this on Sunday, it's already happened, is, of course, AEW TakeOver. War Games! And Is it AEW TakeOver? AEW TakeOver. Fuck. NXT TakeOver. <laughs> War Games! Uh, uh, Five-match card on paper? It's all right. Uh, the, the War Games matches should be phenomenal. Um, well, sure. I mean, they're full of crazy ultraviolence. So, yes. <laughs> you know. Uh, why would you not? I guess they'll start out with the women's as per usual. It's uh, Team Candice uh, of the Heels, who yeah, is I, okay. I, hold on, let me see. Oh, let me see if I can remember. Yeah, I've got the uh, full okay. lineups here. So, so it's Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, uh-huh. Raquel Gonzalez, yes, and shit. Who's the fourth? Oh, Rhea Ripley turned heel. Nope. No, Tony Storm. Tony Storm, Storm turned heel. heel. Okay, Rhea Ripley is on Team Shotzi Blackheart of the Faces, which also includes Ember Moon and Io Shirai. Yep, that hey, correct. nailed it. Right. And then uh, the men's War Games match will be the Undisputed Era of uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby yep. Fish. Uh, going against the team that does not have a name, uh, which yeah, is, give them a fucking name. What are you yeah. doing? Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan. Pat McAfee continuing to run circles around the the NXT roster when it comes to cutting promos. Yeah, to the point where, uh, and I don't like to to really give Phil Brooks much attention, yes. but uh, <laughs> Punk called out the entire NXT roster for Pat McAfee just trouncing in and and running circles around him on the promo train. So, you know. 
Yeah. That's something. He, he really did. He really yeah. did. Like, I watched the go-home promo, and some of it was old-school heat, because he was talking to, like, you know, the 150 people I have in, in yeah. the crowd, and he was talking about how much the people there suck and all that, but beyond yeah. that, it was it, it was really good. We got Tim so, Thatcher. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, the question is, who is doing the big off-the-top-of-the-cage finishing spot this year uh probably <laughs> pat mcavee and adam cole if i'm if if i'm honest that's what i think it's going to be uh, okay because Ma- adam cole's kind of been a victim of that spot has has as as you eat one one of these yet i think no. they, they're zero and two <laughs> in war games right <laughs> no they they've uh, i think they've have they been in every nxt war games match or men's is this war the third match? or the fourth um uh, hang on let, let let's see if uh uh, the Wikipedia article breaks it down for me. Uh, I feel like it's third. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, last year they lost to Kevin Owens and Keith Lee. Uh, so they had um, the the first one they had was was that the first one? War Games twenty. Where are you, where are you looking up? Uh, I'm 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 so War Games twenty seventeen was Team Champa against the Undisputed Era. Team Champa won. Um, the 20, oh, sorry. That was 2019, 2018 version was, uh, Pete Dunn, Ricochet and the war Raiders against the undisputed era. The 2017 version was the undisputed era versus sanity. Oh, sanity. Okay. And the team of it. authors of pain and Roderick strong. Cause they, they did the, the three, three team nine man version. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. So this yeah. is the fourth. Yeah, this is the fourth straight Undisputed Era war games. They've won none of them. Right. Okay. So maybe cool. they win this one. I mean, it depends on how much they want to push Pat McAfee, really. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I haven't really – I know he did like a big – it was like a top rope uh, plancha or something yeah. in, his, in his first match. So he's going to yeah. do a top cage Rana or some shit on Adam some Cole. crazy shit. Eat a Panama sun, a Sunrise from the top or – Oh, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, okay. And then the, I'm sure Io Shirai will do a moonsault at the top as well. Undoubtedly. And yeah. of the seven other women in the match, two of them will catch her. <laughs> <laughs> one of them will be Candice LeRae. Credit where credit yeah. is due. She's I don't really know who her. the other one will be. But She's the anti Miz. Yes. Um, Tim Thatcher against Tommaso Ciampa in just a straight up singles match. I heard that Tim Thatcher's uh, segments are completely flat on the ratings, if not negative on the ratings. Like the guy just does not. Uh, it's register a not people. great looking dude showing people submission holds. It's got a very niche audience. I guarantee Randy Orton's watching that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got a strap match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. Uh, didn't that already happen? I thought uh, that already happened. They, they've had a few matches, but not the strap match. Okay, cool. And then a uh, <laughs> triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. I got a fun game for you to, to pull this show together. Okay. Uh, Johnny Gargano, Damian Priest, and the current champion, Leon Ruff. Chris, do yeah. you know Leon Ruff's real name? Not a fucking chance. I know I've seen it a half dozen times this week because he just got engaged, but I did not take note of it any of those times. Leon Ruff. Born April 14th, 1996, 24 Jesus. years young. Ugh. His legal name oh God. is D'Artagnan Ruffin. I'm I'm sorry? <laughs> D'Artagnan Ruffin. So Mama Ruff was a big uh, Three Musketeers fan, clearly. <laughs> clearly. 
Now I wonder is, that, is this a Chris O'Donnell version that we're going off here? Yeah. Uh, the all Kiefer for one Sutherland. and all for love, man. Hold on, uh, hold on, it was Oliver Platt, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell. I want to say Charlie Sheen, but Charlie I don't think Sheen. It was, was Charlie Sheen. Sheen. It yeah. was. Holy shit! Wow. And Chris O'Donnell was D'Artagnan, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe you're correct. <laughs> Wowzers. Okay. All right. Dar- I mean, so uh, I, I just want to say uh, NXT name generator fucked up. That dude should be D'Artagnan. Ruff right. A thousand percent. How do you not go with D'Artagnan? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. It's right and there. New NXT North American champion D'Artagnan. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay well maybe uh maybe we get a run in from uh from oliver platt i mean he's no stranger <laughs> he to wrestling will rule things. you <laughs> <laughs> and there is a big cage involved in this show the stars oh, are shit. lining up here oh shit the we're, stars are lining up where's where's uh we're getting ready to rumble too nxt takeover let's do yeah. this bring out arquette and scott Khan, and uh we're fucking good to go here <laughs> let's go Ah, that movie sucked. The Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast fueled by coffee, pizza rolls, and the stench of dirty litter boxes. Follow Christoph and Marty on Twitter at RoughhouseSGW, at Facebook.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast, and at Patreon.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast for early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts, Roughhouse Redos, and Roughhouse Divided movie trivia games. New episodes drop every single Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, motherfuckers! This is the, the Roughhouse Rough House, uh, podcast with Justin and Kristoff. That's it. Fuck Kristoff. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Roughhouse podcast with Marty and my least favorite man on the planet, Kristoff. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. Dust, recently joined by his compatriots in the bloodline of excellence. Stardust, an intergalactic performer of the WWE Universe, has long awaited. And finally, it's Dusty Dust, baby! That's right, I got myself a star on my ass, and I'm gonna be moving fast. Got a tight onesie, have some funsy, bouncing to and fro, polka dot, getting hot. I got my boys on east side, smacking backsides on the flip side of that jive ass raw hot. Yeah, hand me some beef jerky, herky murky, it's gonna be slurpy time. Getting the brain freeze, look at these up in the ring. I got the Rhodes Dynasty, fine on these, put your lips in between my knees. Sun, stardust, gold dust, and dusty dust. Two people in shape, and one guy who looks like he's half bulldog. That's right, it's the hottest new faction, baby brother, in all of the WWE. You got the dustins, stardust, gold dust, dusty dust. Dusty, time to get the broom out, son, because it's getting dusty up in this bitch. Ain't got no hitch. You think you're gonna switch from the shield, play the field up into the dustins? Well, I tell you what, we get musties, musty TV on NBC, motherfucker. That's right. Dusty Dust premiering tonight on WWE Raw. I'm showing up unexpectedly. Hope they let me in the building. <laughs>